Welcome to the show. We have a giant size The Gamer podcast this week, catching up on everything from the not E3 Summer Games Fest extravaganza. Uh, two of the best gamers in the world are here. George Foster. Hello. Jay King. Oh, I reckon we'll game it out. I know, I know, but we have to get through this. We'll get through it together. Let's go, let's go. Since we last convened, uh, <laughs> we have had a Summer Games Fest, a Day of the Devs, a Devolver Digital Showcase, a Netflix Showcase, an Epic Games Showcase, a Tribeca Games Spotlight, a Gorilla Collective, a Wholesome Direct, a Future Game Show, two Xbox Bethesda shows, and a PC gaming show. It's a lot when you put it like that. <laughs> That's a very lot of shows. Goodness me. Too many. Um, you watched like two of them. <laughs> you only watched two of them? Jade, I told you to watch all of them. Well, I'm here to help. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, this first segment today, we're going to be talking about the biggest announcements. Uh, and then after that, We'll come back with some new gamers to talk about some of our uh, maybe smaller, more favorite games from the show. Uh, And also, I was at the in-person event in Los Angeles, so I want to talk about a couple things that I played last weekend, including Sonic Frontiers. Um, Before we get to that, I want to start with the actual Summer Games Fest show, the Summer Keeleys. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And talk about some key of the three, big, it. yeah, key, key three, three. <laughs> uh, key three, aka uh, space horror a- action game showcase. Oh, good! There were so many. There was like uh, three space many. horror games in a row. Boy, there was a lot of those. Space well, I, out. Yeah, let's start with those. So we saw an extended trailer and a gameplay uh, trailer for Callisto Protocol. Yes. Uh, this is this is a third person action horror from the Dead Space creator. Your boy Glenn Schofield originally was part of the PUBG <laughs> canon. I don't know how, but, but no longer. Okay. Yeah. Um, this has all the Dead Space shit you could ever want. This is all- a spiritual successor to Dead Space. This is. <laughs> Yeah. This is by this is what Bioshock was, the System Shock 2. Like there's no Absolutely. Yeah. like this is dead space. Yeah, <laughs> all all the way down to like your health bars on your back. Well, it's not on your back, it's on your helmet, but it's the exact same thing, right? There's like yeah. an emphasis on ripping not quite ripping limbs off in the same mechanical way, but bodies are torn apart, like yep. the weapons mm. are heavy and chunky and almost industrial. And there's even some spots in that gameplay trailer where like He's stamping on things like, oh, they got the Dead Space stamp. Yeah. And the gore is just like the first Dead Space was. It's like really unpleasant to watch. It's like, oh my God, that probably really hurt. (laughs) So when he's ground up in that machine thing at the end of the demo, it's just unpleasant. But oh my God, it looks good. Yeah, it looks really good. Definitely excited for that. Can't believe that's this year. Like, that definitely feels like December. Yeah. It even has some of the brutal deaths that dead space is known for at the end of the gameplay trailer we see the main character get sort of sucked into oh man that was uh, a grinder or a turbine that just like eats his body i was eating snacks at that point (laughs) yeah um it has a really cool gravity gun 
You can grab guys and chuck them around, throw them into walls or throw them into grinders. Um, all that stuff looked really cool. I'm I'm wondering. I I know it comes out before the Dead Space remake, but you have to wonder. It looks so good. Is it just going to end up eating Dead Space's lunch? Did you think they wanted to get out Ooh. ahead of Dead Space? Oh that's yeah, that's why they're launching in December. Now you say those two yeah. launched together, that would be quite awkward. Yeah, whether that was the plan or a happy accident, it's definitely to their benefit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm more excited for Callisto because it's just something new. Like, completely untapped, you know? We just spent 10 minutes talking about how it's not new. Yeah, no. (laughs) No, we're going to finish this, and then the Dead Space remake comes out in, like, February. Ooh, (laughs) looky. You're going to get two super violent space games at the same time. Yeah, but no one can tell me, like, the best bit of Callisto Protocols. It's not happened yet, you know? Like mm-hmm. Dead Space, people can go. What's oh, the best part of Dead I Space, bit. George? The I bit, probably. I know that's Dead Space Two, but I was like, yeah, that didn't count. Yeah. Did you know that all of the chapter names, the first letter, Nicole is dead, everyone. Spoilers for Dead Space that came out fourteen. Years ago. <laughs> oh, Jade, I haven't played it yet. Come on. Oh, haven't you? I knew it though. Oh, yeah. good. That's fine. My bad, listeners. <laughs> Uh, okay, so moving on to our next space game, uh, it was a reveal of a new title called Fort Solace, uh, mm. and it's unclear what exactly this is, whether it is an action game or if it's pure sort of walking simulator. We, I, we don't really know what the gameplay is. We do know who's in it because that was what the whole presentation was about, <laughs> right? They brought... Troy Baker and uh, Roger, Clark. Is it Roger, Roger Clark, Clark. yeah, out on stage to talk about uh, the the fight choreography. That was weird. They spent far too long talking about this. It's like, yeah, we <laughs> we had a big old fight. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stunning looking trailer. Very. Very AAA, very next gen, very here, yeah, very very now. psychological horror. That's mm. the vibe I got. Yeah, uh, but pretty vague in terms of uh, storyline and like actual gameplay. Yeah. Um, but th- it's gonna be a big one, that's for sure. It's gonna it's an expensive one. I, I'm not even actually sure who was developing this. It was a new it's team, someone right? new, a new yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah. I've got something Clover, I think, off the top Black of that. Clover. No, that's Maybe. an anime. Okay. Oh, then no. Right. <laughs> uh. Okay, our next space game, uh, Routine, was re-revealed. For the first uh, time in 10 years? Yeah, this oh, is I a game we, we haven't seen since 2013. Um, this is a first-person game in a space station with corrupted, crazy-looking robots. And we didn't see very much in the trailer, um, but people that know were very excited, and I thought it looked cool. I think I love the robot designs. They almost seem to have teeth. Yeah. Doesn't make much sense, but it's spooky. <laughs> uh, game Pass, this one. Oh, good. I love a good Game Pass game. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, moving on. Summer Games Fest also had. Last of Us Remake. Thank you. Oh, that, it, that was their big. Like finishing yeah. note, and it fucking <laughs> leaked in its entirety. Yeah, <laughs> several hours before. That was a there, strange closer. So there strange. was a few things from the Drugman Direct we should mention. Um, 
there there was a micro update for uh factions 2 which i think that we should start referring to as the last of us online because clearly this is a big live service multiplayer last of us game it feels like sony's big live service push this whatever this game is going to be yeah Yeah. it's not even related to the last of us part two apparently it's like its own story just in that universe yeah we got a piece of concept art it takes place in san francisco it's got a new cast he said there is a story he said that it's as big as and in some ways bigger than every single player game they've ever made Mm. so uh, i just liked factions i don't need like a I don't need a massive thing, I guess. Well, uh, how how, how much factions did you play? Like 10 hours, maybe? That's that's kind of the problem, isn't it? They're not going to make an online game that you're going to play 10 hours and then move on from. They want this to be their thing. They're they're re-releasing The Last of Us. Especially after like so many years of working on it. Like This has been in the works for... Footage leaked from this like forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves factions. Everybody loves Uncharted's multiplayer, and everybody played it for five hours and then <laughs> moved on to the next game. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guilty. Yeah. So uh, this time, they're, if they're going to make that kind of investment, they're going to make sure it's some kind of live service battle pass seasons, all of it. You know, free to play. Then you reckon? Keep people. I in. think it'll be free to play. Yeah. I, I yeah, I imagine it will be. Um, but he said we will not find out more about this game until next year. So, uh, yep, next next not E three. Actually, we will have an E three. So we will in person. We're gonna get the druck in person. We'll see. <laughs> uh, then then we got a still from The Last of Us on HBO, and uh, Dragman revealed that the last day of filming happened to be that day or maybe it was the day after but the last of us has wrapped um we saw pedro pascal and what's her name bella ramsey bella ramsey yeah was that her name in game of thrones no it was that her actual name no that's that's her actual there's another ramsey in game of thrones Uh, and then we saw the first trailer for The Last of Us Part One, which is the second la- The Last of Us remake. Um, <laughs> we all know how George feels about that. <laughs> well, it's complicated, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is complicated. I'm conflicted about this person. I'm excited for it, but I also realize how hugely unnecessary it is. Yeah, sure. I I feel worse about it now that it's. One, that it's $70, because that's just a lot. And two, they haven't... Like, they've confirmed they're changing the gameplay, but they haven't really said how. They didn't show anything in that trailer. Surely that's, no. like, the big thing that's going to... What I assume this is, they've the dialogue's the same, they've redone all the facial capture, they've redone all the cutscenes, presumably updated all those gameplay systems, so it's just The Last of Us Part Two, but the first game. But they didn't show anything. That's, that's like, kind of strange. That's what I thought as well, and that's why I was so excited, but... If you think about it, like the stuff that two introduced, like platforming and going prone and squeezing through, that would change the level design. That would change a lot, right? Like that can't just be a here you can do this now because otherwise there'd be no point. So I don't know. I I hope they've done that, but it's out out in a couple of months and like yeah, I'm I'm conflicted. It's too expensive. 
but it looks incredible. Do y'all remember that first gameplay reveal for The Last of Us? Mm-hmm. The, sh- the shotgun, when it ends with a shotgun blast to the head, yeah. that one. Yeah, oh, that was a fantastic I, demo. I watched that trailer 500 times. Yeah. I've, ne- I've yeah. never been so obsessed with a trailer before in my life. It I showed so well it. Done. Yeah. I showed it to everyone I knew. I just watched it over and over. I just could not believe that a game could be that like realistic in its gameplay. Yeah. And then that section in the actual game is nothing like that trailer. Oh, no, it's total bullshit. It plays yeah, out completely yeah. differently, doesn't it? It is not as cool at all. You could recreate that in two, I'd argue. Oh, yeah, you could that level like two of, is so advanced. That level of right. like viscera and choreography, you can make possible mm-hmm. in two, but not in one. Like not So at all. it feels like they've gone through this whole process of remaking The Last of Us just to make that trailer real. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's what they should do, Eric. You should work for Sony. Like the yeah. next time they show this, just do that E3 demo. Just go that demo. That would be yeah. really clever because, yeah, like yeah. Last of Us is one of my favorite games ever made, and so, so is the second one. Like I'm that kind of like basic bitch, but and and George's obviously, but <laughs> yeah, this yeah. remake is. I can see why they're doing it, but also like I don't know. We're also getting a TV show, which is retelling the exact same plot, presumably. Yeah. It's just unusual and to i feel sorry for jeff keely this was his big moment and it got leaked online by playstation yeah yeah um it it was a it was a more low-key show than Mm -hmm. last year for sure certainly much smaller than the game awards yeah uh which it sounds like that's what we should expect moving forward uh i think that there is a chance that summer games fest and e3 come together um or that or that keely is just sort of given the keys to e, e, e3 eventually if it is going to continue um yeah i i could definitely see the format continuing to change um but this was i mean we we've gone through the biggest ones there's some more stuff to mention for sure but um y- yeah i i think it was kind of a kind of a low-key show we've mentioned all the big stuff we also had a new Marvel's Midnight Suns trailer. It showed oh, Spider-Man yeah. and Venom. Oh, that's cool. Are going to be in the game. Spider-Man's got a very cool uh, arcane suit. Yeah, his outfit was very dope suit. in that trailer. Yeah. Um, there was a multiplayer sort of top-down ARPG Aliens game. That was exciting until they showed gameplay. I was like, well, what's this going to be? I was like, oh, fuck. It was was pretty funny. It was such an awesome trailer. And then they showed exactly two and a half seconds of gameplay. (laughs) It's like, put it in the end. (laughs) It's quite funny. Yeah. Um, Witchfire is back. This game was announced years ago, and we didn't hear anything from it. And then then we saw a bunch of gameplay. uh, Single-player sort of Doom-like shooter. Yeah. Uh, with magic powers um that looks very fun uh there was a really cool trailer for stormgate sort of like aliens it was a it was like a oh a yeah that looks incredible and then it went next oh, versus RTS. demons and then went, you find oh, out it's okay. an rts it's by the starcraft guy i'm sure rts people will like it but... right yeah uh other stuff midnight fight express oh that look- i've played the demo for that that's really cool yeah made by one guy. I'm doing and the quotation team. marks. 
there was a new Nightingale trailer. Uh, I think I'm going to talk about that more in the next section. I interviewed Aaron Flynn over the weekend. There's a new Dark Tide trailer. I'm going to talk about that later too. Layers of Fears, Boom. which is a terrible title. Goat Simulator uh, Three. Goat Simulator Three, which was pro- maybe maybe the best trailer out of all <laughs> of them. They hooked Sorry, us to think it was Dead Island too. What a weird like what a weird drive by on Dead Island too, right? Like it's just such a famous trailer. Like yeah. if yeah. if you're gonna do like a setup with a with a fake intro like that's the one to pick because everyone knows that trailer you know good trailer uh there was a gotham knights trailer that oh, i'm worried that, about that game yeah. i don't know that's gonna uh... my so... problem my suspicion about gotham knights is that we have seen tons of it way more than than we've seen suicide squad but Every time we see it, they don't really show us what the game looks like. Oh, like yeah, to play. It, I worry it's going to be an Avengers situation, like with the four-player co-op stuff and the open oh, world no. quite empty. I don't know. Yeah. Just compared to the Arkham trilogy and even Arkham Origins, really, it feels quite featherweight in how people are responding to it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that was the gist of Summer Games Fest. Um, there were two other showcases that, that day. The Day of the Devs immediately followed Summer Games Fest, and it was about, I, th- I want to say it was eight uh, indie games, like indie games. Like What's the sheep game there? Solo dev stuff. The sheep game? Oh, Do you mean Cult of the Lamb? That was um, yeah, Devolver. That looks no, that's, that's Devolver. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I played all the Day of the Dev stuff over the weekend. Um, I don't think there there's anything notable enough to mention mm. here, but there was uh, Baron, the Br- Baron Breakfast, which we've seen a few times, mm. which is kind of like a Stardew Valley about a bear that opens a bed and breakfast. Oh. Uh, it is oh, very yeah. cute. Um, I think the one I like the most was called Shim. And it's about a oh, uh, yeah. it's about a frog that can only travel in shadows. That was in the wholesome direct as well. That looked really cool. Yeah, that one that one was pretty fun. Uh, after that, we had the Devolver Digital show, which is always my favorite show. Uh, this year, Mecha Suda Fifty One caused the gaming singularity. <laughs> um. Bizarre. It's more of a short film than a a showcase. You know, it's like a short film that takes breaks to show trailers. Yeah. Um. But all they we we saw five games at this thing, and all of them were spectacular. Uh, yeah. Angerfoot, which I wrote about today, uh, is basically Hotline Miami in first person, uh, and you just kick motherfuckers like oh, e- yes, everybody gets kicked. This. Uh, Plucky Squire yeah. looks like that looks Whew. super cool. That's gonna yeah. be so good. Plucky Squire kind of looks like a. Do you guys? I, ha- I hope it goes beyond the gimmick. Yeah, I was. I was curious about this. When growing up, everybody was into Captain Underpants. Do you guys know Captain Underpants? Yeah, yeah Red Lowe's in that school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. So Plucky Squire has kind of that Dave Pilkey. He does. Yes. Yeah, style. It looks like um, Harold, the main character. Like yeah, that. yeah. You're like in a storybook. You like run across the pages. It's like 2D, and then he comes off the page, and it turns into like a 3D platformer. Uh, I'm so gassed for that. 
it kind of gave me some of the um link between worlds yes very much yeah. so um but uh but yeah it looks like a really beautiful 3d platformer uh also skate story oh yes skate oh, yeah. story uh blew me away uh, that's, that's an amazing trailer like the music in that i was sat there like oh my god you are a you're made of glass and you're a demon made of glass and suffering or something like that say and your goal is to <laughs> your goal is to skate to the moon and swallow it. So, yeah, uh, it had a really cool soundtrack from some like New York based indie band that I wasn't familiar with, but it was really it sounded great. And it's just like a super surreal skateboarding game. Uh, we saw another trailer for Cult of the Lamb, which comes out really soon, beginning Ooh, of August. I'm excited for this one. Um, this is great. This is a somewhere between Binding of Isaac and Hades, but also with like town management kind of stuff. It's mm. a it's like a cutesy Cthulhu uh, thing about a, like a lamb, and you recruit a bunch of woodland critters. Think like South Park's Woodland Critter Christmas. That's sort of the vibe. Um, that looked really good. Uh, and then, okay, so then the Netflix showcase. Um, in terms of games, they announced quite a few coming to Netflix games, which is the the mobile platform that's included with your Netflix subscription. If you haven't seen, if you haven't opened Netflix on your phone, you should because there's a games tab on there. And there's a whole bunch of free, ad-free, microtransaction-free, uh, some cool stuff on there. The Hextech Mayhem, the uh, the Riot Labs, mm. uh, like rhythm thing, that's on there. Uh, they announced a few things. One of them I'm pretty excited for is called Terra Nil. It's a Devolver game. Oh, you've talked about that before, haven't you? Yeah, I think I've probably talked about it on the show. Yeah, it's like a, it's a really chill uh management sim about like re-echo-fying the world um we also saw trailers for dragon age absolution and castlevania nocturne which is yeah, like a spin-off castlevania. castlevania very nice um yeah uh cuphead show's getting a second season the dota show's getting a third season i did not even know that I knew there was a Dota show. I did not know that it was two seasons in already. That was like unexpectedly popular. I think it's loads of people play Dota, but like they're yeah. quiet. I totally forgot about that show. And then uh, there was a little teaser for Sonic Prime. Oh, it was like 20 seconds, right? Yeah. They keep doing that. It's really weird. Just like do a trailer. Yeah. Let's see it. Okay. Uh, let's keep going. Um, Epic Game Showcase. You guys watch this one? No. Didn't know it happened. If I'm being, honest, I'm being completely honest. Uh, all right. Well, you missed some cool stuff. Uh, a Lord of the Rings like survival crafting co-op game called okay. uh, Return to Moria. Um, it, your your dwarves in the caves hmm. in the mountain. That one looked interesting. Uh, there was a new Disney Speedstorm trailer, George. Oh, I, keep, I have the beta for that. I keep getting to play it. Uh, we saw we saw Beast in full racing gear. Is is that new? Is he new for it? I can't remember. The trailer had Mulan, Sully from Monsters Inc., Jack Sparrow, oh, no. John Cena. <laughs> John Cena's in it. 
okay, we can move on. I don't remember what else was in Epic. Uh, Tribeca, Game Spotlight. Uh, we saw Plague Tale Requiem there. We saw Oxenfree 2 there. Oh, please. We saw Thirsty Suitors, which I oh, think people are going to have a ball with. We saw a bunch of stuff there that we had seen elsewhere, like uh, American Arcadia and As Dusk Falls and the Cuphead DLC, which showed up in like almost every showcase throughout the weekend. <laughs> Big push for Cuphead DLC. Gorilla Collective. Uh, the Last Worker is one I would highlight. I, I think... Mm. Uh, I think I talked about the last work on the show before I played it at PAX. Uh, but it's a first-person adventure game about the last human worker in a giant, like, Amazon facility that's been automated by killer robots. Uh, it's the kind of anti-capitalist shit I'm all about. Yeah. It looks cool. Okay, Wholesome Direct. Maybe we'll talk about some of that stuff in the next section. It was indeed Wholesome. Uh, future game show. We'll save that for the next section too. Okay, Xbox Bethesda was on Sunday. One. This was our other big showcase. Big so big they had to split it into two. Um, a lot of the stuff that they showed and talked about with, or at least showed trailers in the first show on Sunday, then on Tuesday went went into the deep dive. Mm. Uh, it opened with Redfall, our first gameplay trailer. Redfall was revealed, I believe, at the Game Awards. Uh, was it the last Xbox? I think it was last Xbox E3. Yeah. Wow, okay. It was revealed a year ago at E3? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We saw a cinematic trailer. This is Arcane Austin's uh, open world co-op vampire shooter. Um... It's kind of Left for Dead. It's kind of uh, a Dying Light. Some death I would sleep say, in there. Yeah, yeah, I would say I would say Dying Light by way of Arcane is probably yeah, yeah. Uh, the best way to describe it. But we finally saw some gameplay, and um, I there are a couple of things I want to say. One, like the the animations, the spells, the gunplay, all that stuff looks pretty cool. But I think that with all arcane games, the trailers never really capture what what it is, like what yeah. makes arcane games so cool, like so special. And you never really get that in the trailer. So I think a lot of people saw this one and were just like, okay, here's a you know, here's another co-op shooter, here's another open world thing. But you gotta assume it's gonna have all that arcane flavor. And the moment to moment gameplay. Much like when Deathloop, that was a game I didn't understand until I played it. Yeah. And having that context now, looking at trailers for Redfall, and I'm like, there's something more here to the characters and the exploration of the combat that yeah. some people were comparing it to Left 4 Dead. And I think that's probably quite uncharitable, like in terms of like the depth we can probably expect from this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it it's going to be a lot more. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot more stealthy plotting find your own paths yeah um, uh sort of a, the emergent gameplay that arcane because the trailer play. hints at like between all the gunplay it's like oh you need to be need to uncover the secrets of this town and what happened and that probably hints at like 
there's four different characters. I can imagine them having their own stories and combined with like exploring environments and finding like audio logs and books and shit to read. If that's the case, then it's like Deathloop, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I should have mentioned everything in the Xbox Bethesda show comes out within the next 12 months. Uh, and all of it on Game Pass, I would assume. I'm Yeah, it, it would have to be, right? Yeah, pretty uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of mind-blowing to think about uh, how much is coming to Game Pass over the next year. Um, this one comes out in 2023. There was no firm release date yet. But um, yeah, different, different than anything Arcane's done before, but I'm sure it will definitely still be an Arcane game. Mm. Uh, big surprise... Silk Song finally Ooh. no date. Can you believe it? <laughs> no, no date. Uh, but it will be coming to Game Pass. Uh, and it, I'm. It looks like Hollow Knight, doesn't it? It mm. sure does. We do be getting more Hollow Knight. <laughs> I'm not like that. Like I wasn't that big on Hollow Knight, but it's just one of those things where people are so excited for this. It's just like, yeah, good to see it. You know. Yeah, I have a feeling that the radio silence is going to end up working against Silk Song to some degree. I know it will be uh, exceptional because Hollow Knight is exceptional, but I don't know if it's going to... It's not going to revolutionize. It's going to be another one of those. Yeah, it's going to be another Hollow Knight, you know? And that's great, but them being silent for so many years uh, about the progress... And about what to expect. It'll be four years by the time it comes out, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Four years for something that was was just DLC at one point. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's given people like the Elden Ring expectation where it's like it's been missing for so long that it's gonna be just that good, you know? Elden Ring was only they only didn't talk about that for a year, didn't they? Give or take. Really? I think so. It was a year between trailers. Oh, it felt so long. I'm not even big on FromSoft, but it felt longer than that. I don't think Silk Song will be Elden Ring. It's still fucking Keely's <laughs> fault, isn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, fault. <laughs> Flintlock, I think this was new, right? We yes, never seen this, this looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah, this was a third-person action, very flashy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it. This was unexpected. But it was very distinct. Like, it had like souls like combat in a way. And like it was a like cool Souls aesthetic. by way of Devil May Cry. So, yeah, someone weird. compared it to like Fable meets like DMC or something. And that's like a really cool way to describe it. Yeah, I'm into it. You got a big hatchet, bunch of guns, magic powers. A little fox. A little fox friend. Um, looks really cool. Uh, Minecraft Legends. Massive cool. Legends. Yeah. Mass Massive Legends, Minecraft Legends. Uh from my homies at Blackbird Interactive in Canada. Ooh. This was a surprise. Uh sort of like a, a top down action with some RTS elements, I guess. Yeah, like kind of like Brutal Legend, which is because you seem to be controlling one character, but you have the ability to like build structures and take control of mobs of enemies. Yeah. Right. Which, I, they'll probably want to simplify what an RTS is for the Minecraft audience, like they did right. with Dungeons and Diablo. And that sounds like a really cool idea. Yeah, they look cool. Dungeons was really good. Uh, we saw Obsidian's new game, 
we kind of heard rumors that Obsidian was doing a something Disco Elysium like, uh, and this is it, Pentiment. Jade, you were excited about this one, right? Yes, this looks cool. I kind of love the aesthetic more than anything, and Disco Elysium is fantastic anyway. So if they're doing something in that vein, and it seemed it from what I read about it, like you're a painter who's like following a mystery of murders throughout a sequence of 30 years. And it's almost, they've said like, it's not possible to find out who the murderer is or the game yeah. will always tell you. So it I think that looks really neat. Like, and it's cool because Obsidian, they're such a unique developer when you look at like what they've made over the years. Like right now they're making a vowed. They just finished up grounded. They're doing this. Like I'm glad they've, being given the freedom I, by Microsoft to do all this stuff. I don't know how Obsidian can make so many games. Me neither. Isn't, isn't this the fourth? They're making the Outer Worlds 2, but I assume that's still in pre-production. Yeah, Outer Worlds yeah. 2, Grounded hasn't launched yet, this, and there's another Obsidian game. Avowed. Yeah, and Avowed, yeah. And that's, their, that's Skyrim, basically. That game's I'm pretty sure there's, one, there's another one besides that as well, right? Jesus. Or was that I don't another? know. I think, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I thought it was four, but I don't know how Obsidian can make so many games. Uh, but you know what? The world needed a game set in 16th century Bavaria, so we finally got it. <laughs> finally! There was someone watching that trailer going, oh, my Bavarian homies are finally getting, <laughs> getting their representation. Mad respect. Uh, Persona 3, 4, and 5 coming to Game Pass? I'm sure somebody's excited about that, right? Me. There you go. There I, saw you go. This, I saw this rumored and I was like, kind of like, oh, about time, really. Persona 5 Royal. Kind of weird it's coming out in October, mind. That's quite a while away. Yeah. And yeah. Persona 3 has not been on modern platforms for like so long. But right. it's weird they're doing Persona 3 Portable as opposed and, to FPS. And 5 is not on PC yet. No, it's coming date to date with the Xbox version. So there you go. Then Four no. Golden is coming to Xbox Two finally. Like that game's on PC, but it's not on consoles, which really irked me. But they're all coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. So finally, all of the modern Persona games will be playable. That's but not Switch. Yeah, fuck Wait. Switch, fuck Switch. But I kind of wish they were remaking free or doing a more generous remaster instead of a straight port, because that's what it looks like. Ditto for Golden. So we'll see. I'm excited to play these games on yeah. platforms that are plugged in. Pretty funny that none of these games are on Switch. <laughs> I know. it's Strikers <laughs> is on Twi- Switch too. It's yeah. extra weird that they just decided to ignore the Switch. I love that. Persona 6 is going to get announced next year anyway, probably. It's been long enough. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then we finished this show with the Starfield reveal. Let's talk about Starfield. Uh, Pog Howard. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Our boy Pog Howard. Uh, The thing everybody wants to talk about is that it has a thousand planets. Yeah, Um, that's been the big talking point mm -hmm. in it. The online community doesn't care that it has a thousand planets. We've been burned by a thousand planets too many times. <laughs> so long as like 15 of them are built up like major cities and settlements, it doesn't really matter. I yeah. don't think. I think the rest of it is just like 
if you're really into your Starfield and you want it to last forever, then you know. I think it's meant to emphasize like you're you're a I don't know what you're called, like a traveler in outer space, and you can go anywhere. You can go yeah. anywhere, but there's only like fifty planets you'd actually want to go to. Hmm. Same with Skyrim and all their fucking caves; they all look and feel the same. Yeah, I think for me the problem. Like, I, there, there's certainly an argument to be made that there are people that just want to play Starfield and they want to play it for a bajillion hours. And yeah. this, this gives them the space to do that. The other side of that argument is that if you're making a thousand planets, they can't be very interesting planets. Why make them at all? Like, yeah. 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 Um, I forgot what I was going to say. So. <laughs> it's okay. We can give you. <laughs> Um, okay, so th- this had a little No Man's Sky with the way that you, like, collect resources and stuff. Very much, yeah. That was a little surprising. I wonder if there's going to be base building stuff, too. Oh, there yeah, there is. is. Yeah. I showed it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, more a little more survival crafting than I expected. Yeah, I've, I didn't like that stuff in Fallout 4. Like, oh, asked, I remember what I was going to say. I remember something. what I was going to say. Okay, go on, go on. Let me go back. Well, let me go back and say what I was going to say. The thing for me is that I, I think what is so enduring about Skyrim, and you can tell by the successful Skyrim articles that we publish, uh, is that everybody has sort of a shared experience with Skyrim. There's like mm-hmm. a collective narrative consciousness around this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you can point to this city or that storyline or this character. And when you have a thousand planets and people are going where they're going and discovering things, people will have unique experiences and that will be cool. They'll be able to, you know, make a Reddit post about, look at this crazy place I found. But it seems to me that there's a risk of less collective experience. I think that's true towards Fallout 3, New Vegas, Skyrim. Like, as you said, like those games, they're, they're wide in scope, but they're all very focused in terms of like what the main narrative is, what the big beats and places you go to are. Like everyone goes to Whiterun, everyone goes to Megaton and stuff like that. You all have you all have the same anecdotes from those places, but they provide the foundations to get lost and create your own stories. Starfield needs to facilitate that while also having the other stuff. And if it goes too far in one direction, it will kind of doom itself. Like Fallout 4 did, honestly. Because I don't really point to any memorable locations or moments in that in that game compared yeah. to the previous ones anyway. Yeah. Uh, a lot of big question marks. Uh, we did find out some more stuff from that second showcase. For instance, there won't be any of No Man's Sky's seamless transition from space to planet. Oh, is there a loading screen? Yes, it's going to load from one to the other. There will be no seamless transition between space and planets. He said that it's just not worth the development time because people don't actually care about that. Fair enough. Yeah, there was a there was a weird charm to that because it, excuse me, in No Man's Sky, it kind of showed the vastness of the galaxy that you could lift off and fly away like so mm-hmm. seamlessly. But yeah, I get it. Especially if it puts more stress on the development team, because the frame rate in them demos weren't good. No, no, they're like, not. Yeah, that was. Oh, glad they delayed it. Basically, yeah, uh, this was going to come out in November this year, delayed to twenty twenty three. We don't know when, but 
everything in the show will be before next June. So supposedly we'll see. I'm sure things still get delayed. It happens. March maybe before Q before the financial year wraps up. Yeah, maybe, maybe all, all the game of the years come out in February now. Yeah. Set a new precedent. So, uh, there was so much more in this show. Um, Squanch games, Justin Roiland studio, uh, revealed high on life which is a first person shooter with talking guns wacky space you know rick and morty shit this game made me want to jump out of a window like, <laughs> oh no i love it straight up fucking the second the morty voice came in i was just like oh checking out i can't be doing it george i'm sure i know why so people good. love it it's not that's what i need Oh, looky here! I'm a gun. <laughs> I'm a I'm a glum splab glum droll. It just makes a bullshit. It's funny apparently. I don't get it. <laughs> it's funny yeah. when you say it. Uh. Yeah, it looks great and inventive. Like, and that's fascinating. It's just a shame that humor that's grown so familiar is attached to it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I love it. No, I'm idiot. Being... yeah, it's just be the idiots love it, Jade, and I am an I'm idiot. An idi- I'll play it. I'll play it. For the idiots. Because <laughs> Stacy thinks it looks really good. And I'm like, oh, okay. I I enjoyed uh, Trower Saves the Universe. I played in VR. Mm. It, are, you, are you an idiot, Eric? It was funny. I'm an idiot. I played the Rick and Morty VR game. That was quite good. We're all um, Okay, Riot Games is coming to Game Pass. And this is huge. I think this is... Um, uh, didn't get the attention it deserved because this is amazing. All the Riot games are coming to Game Pass and they all have huge incentives because obviously these are free-to-play games. So with League and Wild Rift, you just get every champion <laughs> if you have Game Pass. Just full roster unlocked. Same with Valorant. Uh, Runeterra gives you the entire... like. I forget what they call it, the classic collection or like the like all, all of their base cards just automatically unlocked. And then Teamfight Tactics will give you a bunch of little legends. Uh, this is very cool. Mm. Impressed by that. Uh, we saw Plague Tale Requiem gameplay. I think the first gameplay trailer. Yeah, I think so. Stuff with rats. Looked like the first one. Sad French rat game. <laughs> <laughs> the first game was cool. Like, I just love the way she flings that thing and domes people. Like it's it's funny every time. Like, they just fucking <laughs> yeah. go straight down. Uh, Forza Motorsport, Hot Wheels. The, no, not not Horizon. Oh Lego. yeah, oh yeah, they showed the new Horizon. one. Of course, of course. The thing that made me laugh about this was when it was like um, forty-eight times the improvement to physics, like. <laughs> Just an absurd thing to quantify. Like, how do you physics have are forty eight times better than our previous game? Yeah, like did someone <laughs> measure that? Yeah, the damage model though, Forza's Motorsport especially, his damage model has always been a bit naff. But this uh-huh. looks like it's like burnout damage physics in this game, which is mm. really fascinating for a, for a simulator because yeah. it means I can I can fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it looks cool. I think. Uh, I'm gonna run. Me, but... I'm gonna run through the rest of these so we can move on to the next segment. But we had uh, Flight Simulator's 40th anniversary edition, which is crazy to think about that Flight Sim- Simulator's been around that long. And they showed the Pelican 
from Halo is coming to Flight Simulator. That's cool. Uh, Fallout 76 is getting an expansion based on The Pit, the famous Fallout 3 DLC. I think that was the last expansion for that game. Yeah. Um, okay, Forza's expansion, Forza Horizon 5 expansion is going to be Hot Wheels themed. Again. Yeah, they did Hot Wheels for th- They should have done three. Lego again. For free. Yeah, it was for free. Yeah. The Lego one's incredible. Oh, they should have done Funko Pop. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, we saw a new trailer for Arc 2, sort of. It was cinematic. It was pretty short. I don't know what the point. Vin Diesel was there. Just to remind us that Vin's on top, baby. <laughs> never never a bottom. Vin's never going to have that. <laughs> uh, a new trailer for Scorn. Our, another space horror. Super Geiger shit comes out October 21st. This got super delayed, I think. This was yeah, this game looks very unpleasant. They've been showing this for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not into it. Uh, the Last Case of Benedict Fox looks yes. very cool. This looks awesome. This was like a side scrolly, what, like Metroidvania kind of thing? Yeah, it's Metroidvania, apparently. Yeah, that looks really cool. Uh, as Dusk Falls creeps me the hell out, I don't want anything yeah, I do to do not with like this. That. I'm playing that this week and I'll be able to talk about it soon. But that looks strange. It's it's trying to be artsy, but it looks pedantic as a result. I'm not sure it works. It's odd. It's odd. Uh, Naraka Blade Point's coming to Game Pass. That's kind of a big deal. That game is huge. Uh, Mm. Grounded launches September 22nd. I will definitely be getting back into Grounded. I liked it a lot when I first played it. Yeah. And that's it, pretty much, uh, for the Xbox Bethesda show. And the last one, um, and then we'll move on, we'll get into some more detail about some of our favorites, but the last one's the PC gaming show. Uh, And there was some cool stuff here. Uh, I'll mention the Invincible, which looks to me like a a Firewatch-style adventure game, but this is like sci-fi in space, because every game is space horror now. <laughs> uh, but if you didn't see the trailer for Invincible, check that out. Uh, System Shock is still alive. Oh, the yeah. System, oh, that was Shock a cool trailer. Yeah. Remake, yeah. Cool trailer. I, I played the demo for this years ago. So Same. I'm I played this. It must have been like four years back at this point. Yeah. Uh, we finally got a trailer for Immortality, which is Sam Barlow's next FMV mystery game. This is the creator of her story. I'm telling lies. This is tippity top of my list for sure. I love Sam Barlow's games. So, uh, and it was a crazy trailer. Uh, Space Marine Two got a new trailer. Oh, yep. This got revealed last year, and you know, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, we saw more Stormgate. We saw more Gloomwood, which has a demo out now for uh, Steam Next Fest. And then they ended with, I thought this was incredible, they ended with a mod of Half-Life Alex. Their oh, big wow. closer was a fan game, yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. And you know what? It looks incredible. I don't blame them. This belongs in a showcase. Like, it looks really great. I can't wait to play this Half-Life Alex mod. It's called Levitation. Uh, and I don't think it's supported or endorsed or worked on by Valve in any capacity, but <laughs> um, but it looks great. Okay, that's the broad strokes. We did it. 
Um, Holy hell. Yeah, like 11 shows or something. And uh, now I think we should take a quick break. We should come back and we will talk about some of our favorites. Um, Because there's some stuff there I I didn't really even mention. (laughs) Because I was going to talk about it in the next section. Uh, Great. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We've swapped out George for Andrew King. What's up? Rest in uh, peace, George. Sorry, George. We're sorry about what happened to you. Tragic. Uh, okay, so we've gone through broadly the 11 or 12 or 15 showcases from the weekend. Now it's time to highlight some of our faves. Uh, Andrew, why don't you start? What stood out to you the most? from this weekend okay let me think pick one okay i am really into immortality yes which got showed off at the pc gaming showcase which i did not watch in full i just went and watched the trailer for immortality and another game on my list because Uh i was already interested in them sam barlow's made um two pretty extraordinary games since he uh you know, went independent with her story and then telling lies after that. Um, Immortality is an evolution of that that seems significantly more ambitious than either of the projects that he's done before. Um, So, like, if you haven't played either of those games, they're FMV games. Both of them were games where you were going through a database. You would see a video clip. Um, It would have the word, like, uh, you know, secret in it. And then you would go to the search bar, type in secret, and it would bring up a bunch of video clips um, that featured that word being said in it. Yeah. Immortality is an evolution of that. And I think a really smart evolution of that, which instead of being driven by searching words, is driven by searching match cuts. So... If you don't know what a match cut is cinematically, it is like one of the all-time great ones is at the beginning of Indiana Jones when the Paramount logo, which is a mountain, fades into an actual mountain where Indy is looking for the idol that he's looking for. Or one that was going around recently on social media was the match cut from the woman screaming when she sees that her daughter has been mauled by dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, the lost world to Jeff Goldblum yawning. It's basically any pair of shots that have similar compositions. And so immortality is an entire game built around searching for those similarities. So if you have a mirror being shattered, which is something that they show happening in the trailer that they showed at PC gaming showcase, you can go from that to another clip of the mirror. Um, And I just think that's a fascinating game mechanic that I've never seen done before. Like, people didn't really pick up the ball that Sam Barlow, you know, started rolling with her story. Like, that is one of the few games still that is doing that sort of database-based gameplay. Um. And now he's doing something that I still have never really seen anybody do before. And I'm excited to play it. 
partially because games have always, you know, we talk about games being cinematic, and I enjoy, like, games that are traditionally what we think of as cinematic, like Naughty Dog's output. Um, but it's interesting to see a game like Immortality that is taking the mechanics of cinema and exploring those in gameplay form, not just having really gorgeous cutscenes. Right. And it's like a neo-noir Hollywood murder mystery, too, right? Right. That's the fascinating thing, is that this woman, um, Marissa Marcel, I think is her name, mm-hmm. um, made three movies over the course of 20 years and then disappeared. And so you are scrubbing through the entirety of those three movies, searching for clues as to how she disappeared. I interviewed Sam Barlow about this last year and he's a very interesting guy and the influences that he um, is taking from the movies that he loves, like David Lynch's movies. He's specifically working with Barry Gilford, I think is his name, who wrote the novel that Wild at Heart is uh, mm. based on and co-wrote Lost Highway with Lynch. So, yeah, it's a, it's definitely one that I'm excited to play. Yeah. Partially because despite her or despite telling lies and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild looking nothing alike, Telling Lies is the game that I feel like has replicated the style of gameplay that Breath of the Wild is doing the best <laughs> because it's like I see where you're coming from. That sounds like a feature. Yeah, cuz like uh, you know, Breath of the Wild the big thing was like you can go attack Ganon right at the beginning with no clothes and a mop. And right. telling lies, it's like if you know the right word to search for, you can get to the end of the game. You can figure out the secrets of the game right away. And same I with guess, her story. I guess I'd have to challenge that there is an end of the game. There, is, yeah. I mean, there really is no Ganon in of telling lies. Like when when <laughs> right. I when I finished, I'm doing finger quotes. When I finished telling lies, I was just like, well, I guess I understand it. Okay, I I'm done now. Like there's no uh, credits credit roll to telling lies you just sort of play until you're satisfied which is a pretty interesting way to to structure a game right there's that famous um steam form question um where somebody asked you know how do i know when i've reached the end of her story and then somebody replying you just play until you're satisfied and the person replying how do I well, know? How do I'm I know satisfied. when I'm satisfied? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I think immortality will probably be the same way. I don't know. It could be different, I guess. But either way, I um, am very excited to be either satisfied or unsatisfied when I play it. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is some film nerd shit. That is for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> As a. For sure. As someone who worked in the film industry for 10 years before switching to game journalism, I think that this game was made for me specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah really excited about that one. Uh, Jade, what's uh, what's one of your, your most anticipated? Oh, I'm going to be really predictable here and say Resident Evil 4. Mm. Hell yeah. The, the original was one of my, like many people, like one of my favorite games. And I was initially quite skeptical about the remake because... Compared to 2 and 3, like Resident Evil 4 is such a longer and more ambitious game and more campy and outlandish. Like It isn't survival horror in the same sense. Like It's more of an action game and 
stuff like that. So the idea of them remaking it in the mold of, I suppose, Seven, Village, Two and Three, and that new Resident Evil timeline that we know, I was initially like, oh, that's not impossible, but it would certainly be difficult. But after seeing the trailer and some more gameplay, I do like the tone and the execution of these characters they're going for. Like, it seems darker and more like horror driven like fundamentally and like its environment design and some of its atmosphere and music from from the trailers at least and that really excites me in both a i can't wait to play this that way and Mm -hmm. i can't wait to see both how much they change what they keep the same and what they fuck up (laughs) because because i don't know Resident Evil 2, the remake, that was a fantastic game. And 3, significantly less so. Like, I still think it's a good game, but you could tell they were perhaps initially meant to launch together or 3 was turned into a standalone product because that campaign is quite short. It doesn't do concepts like the Nemesis Justice in the slightest. It just turns it into a glorified boss battle. And then, I don't know, it cuts out a lot of things from the original, so after playing that and hearing that 4 was going to be remade, my immediate assumption was, oh no, they're going to cut loads of stuff and it's not going to be as good and it's not going to be the same. And they might do that, but I'm a simp enough to be like, it's Resident Evil 4, of course I'm going to play it. And Yeah, I think it looks quite incredible. And Alongside the DLC for Village, I'm curious to see where these two games will take the future of Resident Evil, because I think it's quite unclear at the moment. They're running out of things to remake. Right. I don't know yeah. where Village is going to take this timeline, especially if the DLC is a sequel, technically, to what we thought was going to be the next game. There's well, the a lot cra- of questions on the table. And the, the, the really wild thing about the Village DLC is that it is in the future. Yeah, 17 years. Okay. Yeah, the the Resident Evil timeline has followed the real life time. Like every Resident Evil game has has taken place in the year it came out, and now we have a game that's seventeen years in the future. So, like, what does that mean? Chris is going to be in his fifties, right. like, at least. Yeah, so that mm-hmm. that is wild. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jade. I have a ton of questions about this. We didn't really we didn't talk about the Capcom show at all in our last segment because there was nothing new there. It was just extended looks and updates. Yeah. Uh, about stuff, but they did say that they did call Resident Evil Four a reimagining. Mm. Um, so we we have to assume that it's quite a bit different. In fact, we already saw from the trailer that you know, like the village intro takes place at night, so it's it's not a it's not all in twenty four hours like the original Resident Evil Four, right? They're mm. they're they're totally changing the the timeline of the game. Yeah, because you can tell like the the one piece of gameplay they showed at that showcase was. Leon, from the looks of it, walking towards the first house where you see the first villager. And it is pitch yeah. black. It is nighttime. Right. And, it, and it's day in the original game. So they're playing with a passage of time, which would therefore alter the story and a lot of the characters. So, yeah, would it be a reimagining in the same way that Final Fantasy VII Remake was? If so, sign me up. But I right. know, it's hard yeah, to tell. I mean, it feels like when you get into remaking games like resident evil 4 that fundamentally feel pretty modern still yeah you end up going into like that reimagining territory because there's only so much you can bring to the table by increased graphical fidelity and like yeah 
that game's already been remastered a bunch of times, so it's like we have a very good-looking version of that game that we can go play. So if you're gonna if if you're gonna try and sell it again, you sort of have to bring something new to the table. So I'm excited to see if it does go as sort of in a different direction as Final Fantasy VII Remake did. Because it almost I have don't to. See, yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time imagining this getting as meta as that does. Because Yeah, like, I don't think it will. Because like that gets into Final Fantasy VII Remake gets into like magic and like I mean it it feels like Resident Evil is at least trying to be in a more like grounded world where there always ends up being a scientific explanation for stuff, even if it's vampires and werewolves. So I have a I don't know how you would go as meta, Mole but man. I am I'm excited to see it, you know, try, I guess. I think it will be more serious than the original. Shorter. I think it'll be shorter. It'll be shorter. It'll be less campy. They'll take out a lot of the stupid little Napoleon guy stuff. Maybe take him out completely. (laughs) I don't know. Replace him with a new villain. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we've, we've seen what a reimagined Resident Evil remake looks like already with three, Mm. which is basically just the same game with less shit in it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, this is one of my favorite games uh, ever, and that it's a lot of people's favorite game. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to see them dramatically change it because, you know, like Andrew said, we can we can play Resident Evil 4. I played it recently in VR, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if you want to play Resident Evil 4, just, you, you can for sure play that easily. It's on Switch. It's on PC. It's on... It's on everything, I swear. It's on the new... Uh, ps plus library like Mm. yeah it's like it's it's everywhere and it's still totally playable i hope that they make a different video game yeah surprise us as much as you can like yeah um i think it is time to talk about sonic the hedgehog Mm. herrick no uh because i played some i would say i played a half hour or so uh and i have some things about it uh, first of all, I will say that what I played was more fun than any Sonic game I've played in 10 years. Oh, thank but, God. Really? But Including I, the 2D? And, I'm sorry, any 3D. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because Mania is quite good, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. This, this was more fun than all of the bullshit that I've had to suffer through for the last 10 years. <laughs> I, that does not mean that this is a good video game, but I think it's an mm-hmm. it's important to start there. Um, mm-hmm. And that when I played it, I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, this is neat. Oh, that feels good. Um, I have a, I have many concerns, however. Mm-hmm. Um, the When you watch the trailers, like the gameplay stuff that IGN put out and, and some of the other stuff that's out there, it looks... Well, a lot of people have compared it to just like Unity's like default. Um, it does feel like an Unreal Four tech demo that somebody made. Like, right. It has that vibe with just sort of random Sonic features scattered around. Here's a loop de loop over there. Here's a grind rail over here. Everything's That's exactly what it feels like. Oh okay. no! Okay, it, it feels like the now I'm talking specifically about like the open world, like the mm-hmm. overworld. 
it feels like it is made of tiles and all of those tiles have an interesting thing in the center mm. of them, a puzzle or a platforming segment or, um, you know, some, some kind of, uh, path or stunt or whatever and all of those tiles are jammed together without any care put into how they fit Um, yeah so you are running uh around this big open area and then you see something over there what's what's that's interesting you run over to it you stop you engage with whatever that is a a Mm -hmm. enemy to fight or puzzle to solve and then you run over to the next one what I wanted, what I was hoping for, was some some momentum between all of these different environments. Some kind of connective lines. It's like disparate I, things to do. I wanted a big Tony Hawk level. Mm, yeah. Right? I wanted a way to just run full speed and connect this rail to that jump pad and then homing attack these three balloons. And now I'm like in this next area and it all flows together. I wanted the 2d principles of Sonic, the linear principles applied to an open world. And it is not that like at all, Mm. at least from what I've seen so far. Um, do those little, uh, do the little features that are on each of the tiles feel good to interact with? Like, it may not fit together well, but do the individual things feel fun to do? Yeah, that's the thing. I think that now I have to apply some caveats to this as well, because I think that it does feel good uh, to control Sonic. And I think that there are some interesting features to the combat that I'll, I'll explain. Um, but the, the, the kind of weird caveat to this is that when you start playing, at least when I started playing the demo, it pops up with this customization menu that's made up of like 15 sliders that affect all aspects of the physics of the game. Mm-hmm. So everything from like acceleration to top speed to turning to air resistance is all on a slider. Mm-hmm. And I maxed all the sliders and it was like, okay, well, this feels pretty good. And I think that it's pretty weird that mm-hmm. at least for this demo that Sega's like, you know, you, you, you figure it out. You, yeah. you know, you tune the game. We don't know. It like, does feel like they have really struggled to find a version of 3d Sonic that feels good. The, so maybe the this is them like five years. Right. This, this <laughs> might be them like throwing up their hands and being like, well, we can't figure it out. Maybe you, you can, fucking you know? do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, I maxed everything. Uh, and I ran around and I liked it. Um, the shoulder buttons juke left and right. Um, so you can, when you're running at enemies and they're firing laser beams and plasma cannons at you, you can, you know, shift left and shift right to dodge them and keep running on that straight line. And that is very like cinematic and cool and very sonic. Um, the, the combat, you sort of like homing attack into guys and then unleash these like a flurry of punches and kicks, but then you, you know, you need to dodge away or you need to wait for the right time to go in. And, uh, and all that stuff feels pretty good. The enemies are like bizarre and indescribable, but they're all built in such a way that you have to approach them with different techniques. Like they're, they're not, I I would not describe them as aesthetically pleasing, but they're all Mm -hmm. designed around what their combat mechanic is, which I think is kind of neat. Um, you have this 
ability to draw with like leave a trail when you run and you can use that to draw circles around things which like solves puzzles and also stuns enemies in combat Mm. so you'll have like shielded enemies that you have to draw a circle around and it'll stun them and then you can go into attack um and that stuff's pretty cool it's it it that ability i think it's called like I forget what it's called, but that ability is uh, feels shitty because the camera doesn't zoom away. You slow down a lot. Like they could, mm-hmm. they they need to retune that a lot um, because it's hard to see what you're drawing and you move really slow while you're doing it, which is not a very mm-hmm. sonic thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the idea of that mechanic is really good. The other thing, uh, and this is bizarre. I have to be careful what I say because they made me sign an NDA that had two different embargoes mm. and the embargo that's already lifted is all the stuff I'm talking about. And the other embargo is two weeks away and it's a very core mechanic of this game. There's oh, like a okay. very central important part of this loop that I can't discuss yet, but like it was part of IGN first. IGN is, it the, is it the contained cover. levels? Yeah, like it's already being discussed by other outlets Mm. and everyone knows about this, but I'm not allowed to talk about this thing that's already being talked about. It's very weird, but I I will say that there's a really good part of this game Mm. uh, and an important part of the loop that I guess I'll have to talk about later. I don't understand Mm. why, Um, uh, but that's that might actually be like the best part of this game, like the actual good part of this game because the open world overworld stuff, uh, it's got a lot of problems. So basically I, I I liken the whole thing to legends Arceus, which I also think is a pretty bad video game, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but I also recognize that it's like ambitious for the series and like Mm. probably sets the groundwork for the future. And like, you know, it has the seed of a really good idea that if they can get their shit together, will eventually become like the future of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably the same kind of thing. I don't think that they're, this is going to be like a one and done. I don't think that they're going to be like, well, that didn't work out and then go back to regular, regular yeah. 3D Sonic. I think this is what Sonic is going to be like now. Um, and if this one blows, I think it, at the very least, it has some good ideas. Yeah, that, um, that they'll be able to work with. Did you see anything about the story? I have a friend who's looking forward to this game a ton, and he was telling me that Ian Flynn, who's a comic writer, who's had some pretty good runs on the Sonic comic, is working on the story for this. Did you see any of that? Ian okay. Flynn has been writing the comic for quite some time, and it's and it's very popular now. Right. Uh, ever since he took over, um, the the demo starts close to the beginning or right at the beginning. I think there might be a an intro that's chopped off, uh, but there. I, I really I don't have much to say about the story. Sonic is in a weird place. He's confused. There's a little robot that's that <laughs> tells him it's time to get to work if you want to save your friends. He mm-hmm. ex- he expects. Tails and Amy to be there and they're not and then you start collecting 
these memory fragments for these characters. Specifically in the demo, you collect memory fragments for Amy and you eventually find Amy in like a cyber prison and you free her, but it's not really her. It's like a fading memory of her. So it's, you know, it's going to be some wacky Sonic shit. Eggman shows up. He doesn't say anything. He also seems to have been transported to this island. Uh, Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a... sort of an unfold as you go i think it's going to start off you don't know what the hell's going on and then it slowly puts those pieces together a bit of news just came out that said sonic frontiers will take 20 to 30 hours to beat or double that if you want 100 percent it sounds very long yeah. for a sonic yeah game. so so yeah. there's there's tons of collectibles so one thing i didn't mention yet is that it, there's a big rpg aspect to this um you can upgrade Sonic's speed, defense, attack, and ring capacity. Mm-hmm. And you do that by finding, they're called Cocos. They're like little animals that you, you need to find. Um, you also find seeds to feed them. But they're just, they're just hitting collectibles. That's all there is to it. Um, and that upgrades his stats. He also has a skill tree. Um, and it it seems like abilities unlock as the story progresses, but then you use collectibles to further upgrade those abilities. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of progression, and it's all based on collectibles. Uh, mm. Killing bosses gives you a certain collectible that unlocks this other thing I can't talk about. And, <laughs> and doing puzzles gives you these little Cocos or whatever, these little Koroks. Mm. that give you that give you upgrades so uh i i believe that it's 40 hours or whatever because there's like you know it's a big map the way they do the map is kind of weird you know you do the just like every like ubisoft open world thing or whatever you you like Mm -hmm. climb to the top of a thing and activate it and then it reveals a section of the map but the way it reveals the map is like in a checkerboard like scattered so you get these like like it's like a grid and then it, it reveals random sections of that grid uh across the map and it's mm. a bunch of small maps mm. so kind of like uh mario odyssey more than yeah like a straight up open world did you play um bowser's fury no okay that's what this game reminds me of although maybe not as well like put together as that game but that was sort of sounds like a similar approach to an open world where it's like a bunch of different like you know mario levels or like parts of levels put together on this open world and you go around and do the obstacles and get stars and if you're going to transport like these 3d platformer characters into an open world that seems like the best way that I can think of to do it. And it seemed like Sonic was sort of going for a similar thing, although maybe jankier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm curious to play this one. I mean, I am sort of a lapsed Sonic fan. I was, I really loved Adventure and Adventure 2 when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, the last... I'm surprised it's so long, because the last one I played was Sonic Forces, and I beat that in, a, in an evening. So... Mm-hmm. Like to hear this one is forty hours if you do everything is pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll mention, I did not put this in the preview because I don't think it's super relevant for like 
for the sake of a game that doesn't come out for another year or whatever, but it looks like absolute dog ass. Yeah, it does yeah. not look good. Like, like <laughs> they've been putting out like screens and trailers that look fine, but mm. when I played it, it was just like muddy, aliased, like fields pop, pop ins right in front of you. Oh, the like, pop in in the IGN gameplay was horrendous. Just fucking mm. awful. And it was like on a PC or on like a laptop in windowed mode or something. And I was like, okay, mm. it's having. In fact, at first I was like, is this streaming? You know, mm-hmm. from like Shadow or one of those. Uh, but no, it was just like on a shitty computer, I guess. But it it looked terrible. Uh, and like I yeah. said, that's that's not that relevant. Like it comes out in a year, who knows what it's going to look like? Or I it's don't know. In November, it isn't it? Yeah, it comes is, out. Is it really? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty soon. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It does seem know. like it seems like that would be a big challenge with an open world Sonic. Is that this is a character that moves extremely quickly? That like pop in seems like it would be a danger with something like that. But yeah, it seems like it needs more time in the oven. Honestly, like they have been making significantly shorter games and like, yeah, this is the biggest game they've made ever. Maybe. I mean, certainly in a long, long time, like adventure, I remember adventure two having like a fairly sizable, like two fairly sizable campaigns, but this is, you know, sounds even bigger than that. It sounds like it just sounds like it needs more time for them to polish it up. And I mean, you just take a big field and you put loop to loops around it randomly. Like it's not that surprising that they were able to fill in, 40 hours of exploration right let's make in different colors yeah really i could do it um but i mean sonic moves fast as fuck you know like you've got a boost you've got a boost button which like put throws him to max speed you can use it in in the air to sort of like dash around he's got a double jump he can homing attack off of everything and it's got a pretty wide range like it's it's zoomy and it feels pretty tight i i tumbled off of a few errant cliffs i hit some steeps at the wrong angle and got flung away like it still has that sonic charm that you would expect but generally like it doesn't feel bad it's just uh just design wise it's not really coming together for me yeah um i saw some fan art of like a green hill zone open world and i was like damn yeah if only do you think That's they're going for anything with how this open world feels? Like, I've seen some people speculate that it's like, well, it's supposed to feel alien and weird because Sonic is in a strange world. Like, you said he's confused at the beginning of this, like, where he is. Like, do you think there's any truth to that, or do you think it just looks bad? Sure. I'm sure there is, but I don't care. I mean, they wrote the story. Like, they could have written <laughs> anything, right? Like... I, right. I'm I'm sure there is a narrative justification for why it looks like shit, but that doesn't mean it doesn't <laughs> look like shit. Well, there's going to be a lot of dialogue where Tails is like, "Sonic, this game looks like shit. Yeah, <laughs> this place sucks. I want to go home." It's like, yeah, we all do. We all want you to go home. This frame rate, Sonic. But it is interesting. It like I feel the same way about the movies. Like, just put Sonic in Sonic's world. Like, I would much yeah. rather do that than him hamming it up in Utah or whatever the fuck. But James right. Marsden. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it's an interesting choice. I mean, if the Sonic game, I know, I mean, the Sonic movie, I feel like, you know, I only watched the first one, but I feel like the way people talk about it is like, finally, a movie that is, you know, just taking the games and, you know, like taking the game seriously and the game's characters seriously. And 
like making something that feels faithful to the games. And like Green Hill Zone is significantly more cinematic than whatever they're doing with this. Like the characters look good, and I feel like Jim Carrey's Eggman is interestingly designed, but they're just putting it in the real world when Sonic's world is much more yeah. interesting to look at than ours. Mm. Yeah. I want to see, I, I want open world pumpkin hill, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, or casino land or whatever the fuck. Like, yeah, casino land. Utah. Not Utah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about a couple more. So let's, let's move on. Andrew, did, sure. did, you, did you have another game? Yeah, I got a bunch. Uh, what do you want to hear about? Dealer's choice, brother. Well, you know what? I I feel like we all probably have thoughts on this one. Yeah. Um, Starfield. Sure. Um, we, we we did talk about it a bit in the last section. Okay. Tell well, me your thoughts. I am into it. Um, I my hope, and I wrote about this, is that. You know, Todd Howard has said that there's four major cities in the game. They've only shown three of those, which makes me wonder what they're sort of, why they're keeping the fourth one on under wraps. Yeah. They, on their YouTube channel, they have um, little videos with concept art and some narration by a guy who is working on the game where he's going through, like, the specifics of each city. You've got... Neon, Aquila City, and New Atlantis, and those are the ones they focused on. But apparently there's a fourth one that they haven't shown, so I'm curious mm. if that's like a late game reveal or something. Um, but yeah, that's my, my main hope for this game. I'm, I'm into the idea that there are that many planets, especially because in Todd Howard's interview with you Ryan McCaffrey over at IGN. What? You mean Pog Howard? No, Pog, Pog Howard. Pog Howard. Is that is that what the kids are calling him? I believe that's his Christian name. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, Pog Howard did an interview over with Ryan McCafferty at IGN where he was saying that there are a thousand planets which have been, you know, largely procedurally generated, but there is like a clear differentiation, I guess, between stuff that it actually has campaign or like side quest importance and stuff that you can just go to, to explore. And so that honestly sounds like a good mixture to me. I know that people are freaked out about the idea of a thousand planets and that like you can't possibly have authored content for all of that. But if I can see like, okay, this is, this is story zone. This is no man's sky zone. If I can like see between that and like, you know, only go and visit the other planets when I'm in the mood for, like, you know, just messing around and harvesting material or, like, grinding by, you know, fighting enemies there, then that sounds pretty good to me. I hope that all the planets are on a list. A thousand planets. And you just scroll through the list and you go, I need some uh, Gerbitanium. Which planets? Uh (laughs) And then you you filter to Gerbitanium, and it's like, Gerbitanium found on these 600 planets. On Slacko 69 or something. And then you're like, I'm going to filter by weather. And it's like, it's raining on these 300 planets. That would be really cool. (laughs) And you're like, hmm, which of these 300 planets should I visit today? I do feel like they are hitting on something, which is that if you want to make a space game, you do need to attempt to capture the bigness of space. Uh-huh. Like The Outer Worlds, which is a game I really love, doesn't do that at all. It's like there's, you know, 
five or six planets you can go to, you look at them on a JPEG of a map and select the one you want to fly to. Yeah. And I think like what we know about our solar system is that most of the places in our solar system are not really worth going to. Yeah. But space is exciting because there might be something cool out there. And, you know, I am, I do feel like this feels like a happy medium where you are able to capture the space through those many, many, you know, procedurally generated planets, but still have like the places where life is, you know, establishing a presence like the cities where you can go and do the quest content, you know? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see if it plays out in practice, but I like, especially after hearing Todd Howard talk about it in more detail, I feel like I'm going to be into what the game is. I, and I, I, I would much rather have the five planets for in outer outer world. Um, but, uh, you know, like, I, like I said in the last section, I also recognize there are plenty of people that want to just play Starfield for the rest of their lives. Mm. Um, and, you know, good for them. <laughs> good for them. They're getting everything they could ever want. Um, right. I, I said, I said, I'll, I'll reiterate this uh, for your sake. I said this before, but I think what makes Bethesda's RPG so special is, is sort of like the shared narrative consciousness around them that we all mm-hmm. know the places and the characters and the storylines. And I don't know how well you can do that when we're all going to places no one else will ever go to or no one else has ever right. seen. Can either of you answer this for me? They're talking about ProcGen, but I'm unclear if it is that they are procedurally procedurally generating different planets for everybody, or if they are procedurally generating a thousand planets that they're like smoothing out slightly and yeah. then putting in the game. I assume it's the, the latter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I I have been confused about that because obviously procedural generation can mean different things. It can mean right. that it is like that it will be different for all of us that are i i like hope that it is like there is you know like i do share your concern that it's like well it's going to be hard for us to have any shared interesting experiences when the game is this expansive Mm -hmm. but i you know maybe there will be like you said a list of all the planets that you've discovered so you can, you know, sort of pop down into there. And if somebody says, I found something cool on Glorbex seven, you can go to Glorbex seven and, you know, maybe they can drop a pen and you can go look at it. I mean, this is sort of like what people were hoping for from no man's sky, but that game was entirely procedurally generated. So there weren't those yeah. shared, um, you know, places that you could go. But if, uh, if Starfield players are well, all sharing, did they did end up in the same places and then they found out that you can't actually see anyone there. I remember that. <laughs> right. Like, I remember they, that they had too, two yeah. people go to the same planet. That was right. That was one of the early controversies about like whether that game had multiplayer or not at launch. And right. Yeah. I mean, Starfield, the way it's being described sort of sound, sounds like what I, I mean, I wasn't paying attention to no man's sky before launch because i was in college leading up to that and i just wasn't playing a ton of stuff and but like thinking about like what would i wanted from that game it's something similar to starfield which is a happy medium between proc gen and authored content and hopefully uh-huh. it strikes that balance well yeah yeah i hope so um okay jay did you have another game you want to talk about i don't think this is more excitement this is more morbid curiosity because of all of the mm. 
discourse surrounding it is the last of us remake yeah i remember when this was even rumored a lot of people were like why this is a game that's still relatively modern like you can play it for free on if you've got playstation plus but all of a sudden sony was dredging it up from well not the grave really from from continued success to go we're going to remake this along with our hbo show and our sequel and when it was revealed I think my complete antagonism towards its existence turned into like, okay, I still don't quite see the point, but I'd like to know more in regards to how much of a remake is it? Because on the surface, it's less of a remake than I expected. Like the dialogue's untouched and they're updating like animations and facial stuff and keeping the story right. the same, but they didn't really show any gameplay in the the gameplay trailer or the summer games fest like right. Druckmann session and i was like okay they're keeping their cards close to their chest how much are they changing and this game is loved to such an extent and they're charging 70 dollars for it like how are yeah. they justifying its existence and i think i'm curious about that journey and how much they reveal and how much a project like this justifies itself because i think in a lot of ways it will almost like set a precedent for like bringing games like this back or re-examining games like this because i think it's really ironic that the last of us when it first came out was heralded as like this narrative masterpiece and this new benchmark Mm. for the medium and today it's arguably like holding us back from like moving further because it's Mm. something so quote-unquote beloved by naughty dog that they're just going to keep dredging it up and remaking things revisiting this story in different ways and i love the last of us and like i'll probably love this remake but coming out of summer games fest it's like oh it's happening it's not far away i want to see more of it but also like i'm not happy that it's there i don't know i'm really conflicted on like this game as a whole i find oh go ahead I was just going to say it's interesting that they are calling it a remake because any Mm. other game that didn't have a recent remaster that's currently available i would look at this and say that's just a remaster like they're upgrading the textures i mean obviously like neil Druckmann talked about like them um you know updating the gameplay to make it more in line with the last of us part two but like you said we didn't see any of that so it just at this point what we've seen it's pretty like that's what we've seen yeah yeah it's prettier graphics but yeah yeah, it doesn't seem like... Um, and, like, like, how much it... can you change? Like, because we brought this up earlier, too. Like, when it comes to gameplay and combat, The Last of Us 2 introduced so much. Like, mm-hmm. you'd argue they'd need to, like, change some of the level design in this remake. And from the ground yeah. up, the way they've described it, they could do that conceptually. Mm-hmm. But whether they will or whether this will feel like an outlier, because the name itself, like The Last of Us Part 1, they're clearly intending this, intending for this to be the modern interpretation or the companion piece to that other game, like same engine, right. like, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's confusing. I, yeah. my feelings are overall pretty negative about mm. it. I went every aspect of it I consider. I think it's generally not good, uh, yeah. creatively or sort of like as jade mentioned like for the future of this industry um yeah. f- first of all i having 
having all of these mega talents at Naughty Dog trapped on iterating on the same exact Yeah, because it was originally outsourced and then they brought it back in. Yeah, that Mm. that disappoints me. Like, please let these people do something else. Make something new. Um, Yeah. Then when it comes to the, like, gameplay uh, and, you know, like the enemy AI and the physics and all that stuff, it's like, fine the the first game i i would uh, i would enjoy it a lot more if it was like the first game didn't really meet its potential and that's how they're trying to frame it they're trying yeah when it absolutely did like it was incredible and they're they're, they're acting like it's lesser now purely to justify the existence of this remake yeah Yeah. so okay it was already good uh we we Mm -hmm. talked about that how that original gameplay trailer uh um do you remember that one andrew that first gameplay trailer for the for the first one that they showed in like the hallways no. of the apartment well there's a really impressive gameplay reveal and then in the game it's not really like that at all mm-hmm. and maybe the remake is going to let them get closer to that original vision quote unquote and it's yeah. like okay fine still feels unnecessary i think what really bothers me the most about it is not the gameplay, but in the uh, in the performances and and the story, all of the mm-hmm. cinematics. I think like more than any other game, Last of Us is like a very inappropriate game to do this sort of remake to because they are the this type of iteration is like mm-hmm. fundamentally changing the like intention and the emotional resonance behind these performances we Although saw the this. performances aren't changing like the dialogue and stuff like the dialogue isn't but when you see the, the side by side yeah it changes right. the emotion it changes the scenes and it's so they didn't do them because troy baker and ashley johnson presumably i don't think they came back for that extra mocap that was done in house right so you're right in that will change the perception of those scenes so you're treating these games like films yeah you know mm. they're like cinematic experiences but then this is like the equivalent of like, you know, when they remade Psycho shot for shot. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that is yeah, not, cool. that's a creatively bankrupt thing to do. Don't you think? Yeah. Like what if, what if the last of us, but with different faces, like, yeah, that's what's so bizarre. And the voices was, yeah, I don't, I do not care for that. It does feel like the, the primary reason I, see for doing something like this is just purely practical within naughty dog to feed the beast yes well like to i mean like to to just keep like neil Druckmann is you know off working on whatever the next thing is probably the last of us three there's another team that's working on the multiplayer game and they have the subset of people that they need to have working on something like that's how i've heard it described internally that's what's going on Uh yeah but it's like another game that i really am looking forward to from summer game fest is pentiment and i in general think that obsidian's model for like having smaller teams working on things is much better than this where it's like okay we'll have a small team with a smaller budget go off and make an interesting project that is like a passion project for them. That's much more interesting to me and expands the idea of what an obsidian game can be than like naughty dog, just having workers 
like make the faces look more realistic. I totally agree. You know, mm. like they like Obsidian has you know a team that's going off and working on Grounded, which is a survival game, something very different than what they've made. They have you know teams that are working on big AAA games, The Outer Worlds two and Avowed. They have a smaller team making Pentiment, which is like a night in the woods style game with RPG elements. It's like that to me is a much healthier, better model for what AAA development can look like, especially when you think about like how long we're now going in between games. By the time we get the next Elder Scrolls game, it'll have been like 15 years since Skyrim. By the time we get the next uh, GTA, it'll be like 12, 13, 14 years since GTA 5. Naughty Dog spent uh, seven years or yeah, seven years working on The Last of Us Part 2. Like, we're spending so long in between major releases from developers. And obviously, Naughty Dog had other games that came in between. But, like, the, th- the way game development is going now is it's like I am in a fundamentally different place in my life when I'm playing the next game from a developer than when their last one came out. Sure, yeah. And mm. Obsidian making these smaller projects is a way to, like, fix that. Like, I just think, like, we, we didn't know how good we had it when it was, like, GTA 3, the next year, GTA Vice City, the next year, GTA San Andreas. Like, we will never see the like of that again in AAA no. game development unless yeah. it's the Obsidian model where it's, like, part of the team is working on something big, part of the team is working on something small, another part of the team is making a survival game. Like, that's yeah. a cool model, and I would like to see more game developers do that. Like, imagine a Naughty Dog, Naughty Dog making, like, a small, like five to ten hour experience instead of putting these developers on a slightly better looking the last of us right i know know, it'd be cool when jim ryan talked about making playstation's ips work harder Mm -hmm. we he was talking about spreading out into film and television he was talking about live service and sort of mm. like the the rebuy that you get out of that. But I think he was also looking at GTA five and Skyrim mm. and saying, yeah. how, you know, how can we resell these games? Because yeah. last of us two sold 10 million copies. And while that's like mm. impressive, that's like nothing compared to a GTA or a Skyrim. Right. Or, or even like Luigi's mansion three, like, right. <laughs> Yeah. 10, 10 million is really not Forget that it, big John of a Boone. number. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think when he says, how can we make these IPs work harder? It's not just about, um, you know, making the most out of the IP. It's also about selling the game, selling the one game more. And we're seeing that with the I am shocked they have not re-released The Last of Us Part 2 for PS5 yet. Like, not just yeah. a patch, just like an independent version. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I... Um, if I just feel like Sony is in such a um, an interesting place right now, and I love The Last of Us. Like The Last of Us is one of my favorite series. I like Naughty Dog a lot. Like I don't mind. I like Naughty Dog doing their thing, but it feels like they're trying to put a bunch of square pegs in round holes right. by making other developers make The Last of Us or things like The Last of Us. Mm. And. Uh, they could just not do that. I mean, they have a ton of other IP from their history that they could be working with, or they could have their developers working on smaller, you know, new IP, but they are sort of just going back to the same well again and again. And that's sort of disappointing to see as somebody who would like to obviously see new games and series I like, but would also like to see 
a new series that I haven't not even imagined yet, you know, and they don't really seem invested in putting out that kind of thing right now. It's very expensive and it takes a long time mm. and, this do- and doing this doesn't. I am excited for The Last of Us uh, multiplayer, though. That was something yeah. that I had on my list of things. I mean, they didn't show anything for it except for concept art of like the first um, level that it looks like we're going to get. Um, but I really like The Last of Us gameplay and I have never gone back to factions because by the time I got to The Last of Us, it was, you know, after it was a few years after it had come out. Right. Um, and, uh, I would love a excuse to play, you know, The Last of Us style stealth action in a multiplayer setting. And while we don't know a ton of it, they're saying that it's going to be big like Druckmann said that it's bigger than their single player games in some ways and Eric you had a a piece about how that almost certainly means that it's a big going to be a big live service game with everything that that entails right yeah that's definitely my kind of thing I am slightly dubious of what a live service PlayStation exclusive means because that does Mm. not exist yet frightening Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I am skeptical of how successful a PlayStation exclusive live service can be. But if it, the, the point is, if anything can do it, it's Last of Us, right? Yeah. So. And there is scope yes. in that universe of space to make that type of game. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that it is uh, competitive and session based, as opposed to. Uh, something like um, the division. Mm. Um, mm. If it, if it was up to me, I, that's what I would prefer is more more in line with what factions was, than some kind of persistent world RPG like like the division. But mm. yeah, we shall see. Jay, did you have another game to talk about? I know we're going kind of long, but I'm I'm still excited to mention a few things. So, oh gosh, no, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, well. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Nightingale because mm-hmm. uh, we've seen two trailers for Nightingale. Uh, this is the this is from the new studio created by ex Bioware boss Aaron Flynn, and it is not like a Bioware game. It's a survival crafting game, and you know I, I don't think that we know a lot about the specifics of what kind of survival crafting game uh, Nightingale's going to be. We know it's got some crazy monsters and you chop a tree and you build a house. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I got to sit down with him and get really into the nitty gritty details of like the, the flow, the loops. And, uh, and I'm pretty excited for this one. Uh, What makes Nightingale really unique is its realm system. So uh, rather than, uh, you know, setting up camp and then exploring different biomes, like your standard, you know, Ark or Rust or Valheim or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Nightingale, you start in a, a a kind of a smaller map that's one biome, and then you travel through portals to other realms that represent the other biomes. And you do that by collecting, they're called realm cards, the realm cards have all the specific uh, features that a realm can be. So you collect a bunch of cards and then you put them into a portal 
and the cards you use determine what that realm has and is. Mm -hmm. So you're, you are creating new biomes to explore. So you have your deck of cards and you go up to the portal and you say, I want a place that is uh, a swamp and it's raining and it's at night and it has this kind of creature or whatever. And then you go through the portal and you've just created that biome. And he explained that, you know, there's a, there's a rare crafting material. It's a certain mushroom and the mushroom is used for a potion that you need. And it only blooms at night when it's raining. And so you create that biome and then go in and look for that resources. The more cards you use, the more dangerous that realm will be. So like the scarier the creatures are and that kind of stuff. Um, and then the more valuable the resources there are. So you're sort of like weighing the challenge against the rewards every time you, they call it realm diving. Uh, and I think that all sounded really cool. He also talked about how um, it has a lot of non-combat options. It's not just about uh, taking a baseball bat to every monster you see. You'll have ways that you can, um, you know, for instance, they show like a giant that wants to stomp your house down, but you can give them a gift of like a bouquet of flowers and he'll mm. leave you alone uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, he, he said you can't necessarily do a complete pacifist run, but it might be possible. Mm. Like there are monsters you can't reason with, but that doesn't mean that you have to kill anything. You can get all the realm cards you need without combat. Mm. So I, I thought that was a pretty interesting take on the genre. Uh, and other than that, it's it really is just like building bases, chopping trees. You you make progressively better gear. It's got all the staples of survival crafting. He said stuff like food and water and sleeping is part of it, but they've really pared down and streamlined that kind of stuff. They don't want the like punishing survival aspect to be a big part of the game. It's much more about the exploration. Uh, and that kind of stuff. So I think that sounds really cool. I love survival crafting games. I think the world that they're making is very uh, bizarre and inventive. They showed a bunch of the monsters, like these harpies that put their wings in front of them to look like they're like an old woman in a dress as they approach mm -hmm. you. Um, yeah, it looks freaky. It looks weird. I'm I'm into it. It's coming out this year. That sounds cool. The system you're describing is very interesting to me. Yeah, I like the idea of creating your own biomes to explore. Um, yeah. they, they are procedural to an extent because the cards that you're using determine what the biomes have. Um, mm -hmm. I asked like if, because it's, it's multiplayer. It's like four or five player co-op. They haven't said exactly. Um, but you can create realms and invite other people into them or play together. And I was mm -hmm. curious if, if I had five realm cards and my friend had the same five realm cards and we both make a realm, will those be the same? And he said, mm. he said, it's unlikely that they roll the exact same way, but that there's mm. only so many ways that they can, you know, randomize uh, the, those features or whatever. So, yeah. So it is, it is procedurally generated, but I think not, uh, not in a, like a, like we've talked about a no man's sky kind of way. Because you are, mm. you are determining what features uh, the realms have. Um, I'll mention my other one briefly, and then and then if you guys have more, uh, the other one I want to talk about real quick is uh, uh, Dark Tide. 
because mm. yeah this is really cool yeah i played some dark tide i talked to the developers uh i have like a bajillion hours in vermintide mm. uh, i think it's a wonderful game i think it's like the successor to left for dead that people don't talk about and it's better in a lot of ways uh, <laughs> Uh, Dark Tide is the the short answer is that it's the Warhammer 40k version of for, of Vermintide, right? Mm. It's it's the sci-fi equivalent to Vermintide's fantasy uh, co-op shooter, uh, but it seems like it's actually a lot more than that. It's it's a lot closer to like a sequel, a a new iteration of like that genre. And uh, what really excites me about Dark Tide is that they have built it as a live service game. Um, Vermintide, Vermintide is also a live service game, but because it was not built that way, it was never intended to be that way. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty obvious the like design limitations of Vermintide too. They've done, they've built on top of it, but it always feels like old content gets left behind whenever they add something new to that game. Uh, with Dark Tide, they have intentionally designed it in this sort of like modular way when it comes to um level spaces environments even voice lines and gear and everything so that as they like iterate and add things they're not going to leave old content behind they're going to like update and renew it and i think that's uh that's pretty exciting is like a better a better live service model uh for for dark tide um they also talked about how because the levels are modular, you can play through the same zone and take different paths, uh, depending on what like mission you select. Um, so the missions aren't tied to the levels like the way they are in Vermintide. So you're not just running the same levels over and over and over with the same goals. And like this, this way, you choose a mission and that's randomly assigned to a zone. And then you play through and it will be completely different every time. You'll take different paths. You'll have different mm -hmm. objectives. Um, and I think that stuff's really cool. And then finally, they, uh, the, they are not characters like Vermintide. You don't have uh, Carillion and Saltspire and whatever. You have classes. The classes are customizable. You choose the voices. There's like um, six voices for each class. You, you choose what they look like. And then um, you're not locked to like one character per party. So you can have like four of the Ogren, like the big ogre guys in your party if you want. So there's a lot of differences from Vermintide. It's not just, you know, space Vermintide. Uh, I'm really excited about that one. That comes out soon. I think it's October, I want to say. Mm. Um, but yeah, more, more range focused, more gun focused. And just all the 40K shit, which I... I think is way cooler than the Age of Sigmar stuff. But same. I've always, yeah, I've always yeah. liked sci-fi more than fantasy. Yeah, same. Okay, well, uh, what else you guys got? I, got, I liked... This, they didn't, I think they announced this at the Xbox thing. It's a new game from Annapurna called Cocoon, which looks really fascinating. Oh, yeah. It looks yeah, very... The, oh, I was just going to say that I think it's one of the developers of Inside and Limbo is working on this, right? Oh yes, it does have that vibe. It's very like abstract and ephemeral, but it really made an impression on me with the way the trailer opens up with this gorgeous desert landscape and then it almost pans out and this entire world is encapsulated within this small sphere that this bug is carrying around and it seems 
a big part of the game is like jumping into these worlds and then finding a way to carry them on your back and make them part of a larger system. Like like a lot of Limbo and Inside and a lot of Annapurna games, it seems very deliberately minimalist and artsy in its execution, but it looked quite incredible to me. Like that's, it, I think it with with me, like sometimes visual styles can really catch me and hook me onto a game instantly. And this was one of those. Mm. And not a lot of people are talking about it, which is a shame, but I suppose it was a fairly short trailer. Yeah, I'd like to see more of it for sure. Mm. This is a really cool art style. Yeah, it looks neat. What else? Erebon Shadow Legacy from the Xbox Showcase. That looks rather cool. Almost like a... I don't know how else to describe it. It was like a, a stealth combat game where it seems mm-hmm. like a female character is almost being hunted by this authority or this system that manifests in these giant robots and monsters. Oh, this like... is the one where you like travel through shadows. Yes, yes. There's some shadow stuff where she almost like clings onto a wall or rooftops and she can sync up them and then fall out onto enemies or to avoid them via stealth. That looked quite right. fascinating. Mm. Yeah, that does look really cool. Oh, and then American Arcadia looked very cool. I thought that was neat. A lot of these are coming mm-hmm. from the Xbox Showcase and stuff like that. Yeah. Smaller games that kind of fell on. Light, Lightyear Frontier looks cool. I think that's a really mm-hmm. nice spin on farming games or like a cooperative spin. Stacy wrote about that. Flintlock, The Siege of Dawn. That looks great. And I don't know, like, I feel bad picking The Last of Us because it was such an obvious pick and I just wanted to moan about it. But there was a lot yeah. of interesting stuff throughout these showcases. Definitely. I'm into Gloomwood. I don't feel like they showed a ton that got me more excited about that game, except for the early access release date. It's coming in August. Um, There's a demo in Steam Next Fest right now. Is it the, a new demo or is it the same one from... I don't know. I played a demo for it like back in 2020, I think, and that was enough to get me like very excited for it. But I will check out a new demo if there's a new one. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's new or not, but there's a lot of demos in Steam Next Fest. Yeah. Uh, which since since that ends before our next episode, I should mention we should talk about that briefly. Um, because yeah, there's tons of demos and there's some really cool stuff. I, earlier in the show, I mentioned Terra Nil, which is a, a Devolver game that's going to be in Netflix games, but there's a demo for that on Steam Next Fest. Uh, the Fabulous Fear Machine, which I think I talked about on the show, has a demo. Uh, Exophobia, which is a like very classic Doom uh, clone. Uh, that one looks really cool. Uh, was there anything else? Oh, there's an Angerfoot demo. Cult of the Lamb has a demo. Midnight Fight mm. Express. Uh, Escape Academy, nope. that's when you like, right? Escape Academy is great, yeah. That's coming out at the end of this month, and I saw a preview for it last month, and yeah, very good game. At least, yeah. I mean, I, I played a, two levels of it and saw more, and it, that's one to watch for sure. No, I would pretty- like to check out Angry Foot. I saw the video you posted of it in the uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And that one looks uh, looks interesting, to say the least. It's It's great. It's super fun. You can you unlock new shoes which have upgrades. There's a mm. shoe that makes every door a bomb when you kick it. Mm. Uh, it's hilarious. That's very good. Yeah, 
Um, there's a co-op first person horror shooter called rip out that has a demo on there. That looks incredible. There's, um, there's a co-op survival PVE thing called Destera, uh, part of next fest. That looks really good. Um, yeah, uh, it's a, it's actually a really stacked next fest. So go check out those demos. And then the last thing I want to mention is that there's two games that come out on Thursday. So the day before, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm putting this out today. So there's two games that come out tomorrow, which is uh, Shredder's Revenge, uh, the new Ninja Turtles. It's on Game Pass. If you buy the physical one in the States, you get a free pizza from Pizza Hut, just like, oh, sweet. <laughs> just like the 90s Turtles. Yeah. Yeah, so that's very cool. Um, we have our review up now, George wrote, and uh, everyone everyone's gonna love it. If you like those classic Turtles games, they just did that. They really just like nailed that. And then the other one is uh, Neon White. Ooh, oh yeah, that's please. out this week. I forgot. Yep, Neon White comes out tomorrow. Speed running first person shooter with a wacky card system. You trade your guns for upgrades. It's like it looks like a blast. It's just like very it's fluid. Extremely cool. Yeah, it looks. I mean, it's the next game from the guy that made Donut County, which is a right. very different game from this one. And, a very different. Yeah, the art style reminds me a lot of Paradise Killer, which is one of my favorites of the past few years. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to check it out. It looks very cool. Yeah. Okay, we did it. Uh, thank you for joining us for this mega-sized rundown of not E3 of Key Key Three. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what's your, what's your takeaways? What's, what's your impressions overall of how this year went? Unusual. Um, I think we're yeah. close to getting back into person again. How, whatever form that takes in 2023 with Summer Games Fest and E3. Yeah. But it's not like another year of pandemic induced delays and stuff perhaps not being ready to be shown in a lot of ways. So it was a case of a lot of people coming together to show off these games, but. Maybe it was a bit quieter than like a usual year for this E3 season, but I think it was still pretty good. We still got a lot of good stuff. I do feel like indies sort of stepped up and carried it on their shoulders to an extent. I mean, Starfield is definitely the thing I'm most excited to play, but outside of that, like, I feel like it was mostly indie games like Immortality and... um, Gloomwood that were the things I ended up being excited about. So, and I'd, I'd like to endorse Keeley as uh, the successor for E3. He wants it more. He should have it. E3 mm-hmm. needs to give up and let him take over. Yeah. They need to bow and kiss the ring. He hasn't leaked <laughs> anybody's. He, he hasn't doxed anybody. I think, <laughs> I think the ESA needs to admit that they've been beat. Yeah, we talked about this earlier, but I think that there there's a potential that they do just merge Summer Games Fest with E3 and kind of mm. give him the reins. I think that would probably be for the best because if, you know, based on everything we know now, we're going to have e- E3 and Summer Games Fest concurrently next year. And we know how that went last year. It was not mm. ideal. No. Mm-hmm. Um, this, was, this was a lot over four days but it didn't mm-hmm. quite have the E3 magic. It did not, you know, we got some like extended looks after the initial 
reveals, but I still think that the E3 format of like press conference followed by, you know, eight hours of uh, interviews and deep dives into specific things is like the way to go. Like that's, I want to see like two or three big shows every day and then just have nonstop coverage uh, for for the rest of the day, like I I still think like at least digitally that the E3 format is superior to to this because you know yeah. we went through eleven showcases and I would guarantee that almost nobody knew half of those happened. Yeah, I worked this line of work and I didn't. So yeah, like the, the Tribeca Game Spotlight, the Epic Game Show, the Gorilla Collective, like even some of these things that all happen every year, like Gorilla Collective and Wholesome Direct and stuff mm. i'm sure people miss like the schedule just was so nebulous people normally tune in yeah. the mainstream audience it's, it's the big three isn't it it's xbox playstation and nintendo but that mm. that i think for a long time now that hasn't been the norm and i think it's splintered apart and now we're getting to the point where people are going to realize like do we need to put on our own showcases would it be mm. easier just to fold into summer games fest or xbox and We'll get to yeah. that point maybe next year where things are more focused. I feel yeah. like Sony, I have no idea what they are even trying to do next. I feel like I know very little about what their plans are, and that is sort of a bummer. It feels like they had stuff that they were trying to get out at the end of last generation, beginning of this generation, and now their plans are just a mystery. And I feel like if they had the pressure of a e3 conference we would have a better idea of what you know a very important player in the industry is doing and right now i just feel like they're they don't have a direction that i can see right yeah uh i it's almost guaranteed that we're gonna have a nintendo direct later this month but we we definitely need another sony something because the last one Mm -hmm. that we got you know almost two weeks ago um was very like vr and third-party focused and then last of us showed up during uh summer games fest and we're still waiting on god of war stuff which is only a couple months away and like Mm -hmm. what else you know like yeah we just launched relaunched ps plus but there was no big ps plus showcase or anything um Mm -hmm. sort of a little bit under the radar i think like you know they're the last of us is their big thing that we know is coming this fall that and god of war ragnarok if it doesn't get pushed which it seems like it's not gonna and it's like other than that we have very little idea what the future for sony looks like and i would like to you know have a better idea of what they're working on yeah for sure okay that's gonna do it for this week we will be back next week to talk about probably video games i guess yeah, I, uh, that seems to be a trend with this podcast. Typically, yeah, typically <laughs> we haven't we haven't veered too far off yet, um, but you never know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.